Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. From the Pocono Mountains in Long Pond, Pennsylvania, Monster Energy Series Racing, the Tricky Triangle. It is such a unique racetrack. Green flags in the air, we're racing at Pocono. Kansas sideways in front of the field, they're piling up behind him. You might see the smoke, but where do I go? Back underway from Pocono. The longest straightaway in NASCAR. Kyle Busch, he's the best car, he's the leader. His concern, though, is this car. Hamlin getting another spot there. 18 gets another stage win. Here goes the 18 of Kyle Busch. That right there was power. 48 of Jimmy Johnson into the wall. Battle for the lead. Martin Trex Jr. making the move to the inside. Green flag back in the air. This battle for the lead is heating up. It's go time. Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch. How hungry is the 18 team? It's been a year since they've been to victory lane. Kyle Busch is going to win at Pocono. So many things in so many ways have gone wrong for Kyle Busch this season, but on Sunday, everything finally went right as Busch scored his first career win at Pocono and his first cup win of the season. Welcome to NASCAR America. Kelly Stavis alongside the guys with all the smarts, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Yeah. Jeff Burton, Steve Letarte. Um, Already. I know, I mean, I know. We just started. Well, I feel like this is what Krista would say if she was sitting that here. That was actually so. more polite than what Krista would have told us, so, so we, we appreciate that. Well, obviously, we're going to talk plenty about Kyle Busch and his, his big win, but really, it was a unique weekend altogether in that for the first time since 1971, qualifying and the race scheduled for the same day, one big show on Sunday. What did you guys make of it? Well, I thought it was fun. I thought that it made Sunday really, really exciting. Actually, at one point, we looked down in the grandstands, Steve, and we were like, this is the most people that watch qualifying all year long. There were a lot of people in the grandstands watching qualifying. So from that perspective, I thought it was really good. It was fun to see. Uh, it put the teams in a little bit different situation, but for the fans at the racetrack, I thought it was a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big, you know, I'm a pros and cons guy, and I can't come up with any cons. I thought it was great to have a condensed weekend. Uh, Pocono did a very nice job managing it. Friday night, they had that fan fest where the drivers came out, and I think that's what's important. It's, the drivers are the stars, but it's hard to get to know them when they're in a car with a helmet on. So to right. get them on stage interacting with the fans was a great touch, and then two great days of racing, one being at Iowa, the other one being at Pocono, so it was a full weekend of activity. I do think, though, that should be a if they're going to do a lip sync battle there should be <laughs> some new rules like I think the driver should be able to pick the song for the other driver doing the lip sync Ooh. battles and that would change the because when that, they, you're right I mean they were it, there you was might some get pretty invited. good yeah there were some pretty good <laughs> well, shows. I I <laughs> Steve I love what you said after that you said it's about time it comes full circle that the drivers have to be at the track on Friday That's but right. the crew chiefs don't have to be there until Saturday but there was a lot of talk I can tell you a lot of the crews just saying how grateful they were to have an extra day at home Everyone now just trying to figure out how to kind of massage that actual schedule, how to make those changes. I mean, impound race, too, which made it different, right? So very few changes that the teams could make from qualifying. 
to race. Do you feel like that had any effect and some responded better than others? I really don't. I think when, when we left practice on Saturday afternoon, you and I both agreed the 18 and the 78 were the two cars that showed with the most speed in practice. They showed with the most speed in qualifying. And then come Sunday afternoon in the race, they were the two cars to beat. So I really think that the condensed schedule was a success and the better cars, better teams, more prepared teams still rose to the top by the time the checker flag fell. Yeah, and, and to be clear, like, we, we can't base, it, base a schedule on when the teams are going to be at the racetrack and when they're not, right? It's really what the fans want to do right. and what they like. And, and you know, it's, it's the job as drivers and teams to, to do the things that the fans like to see. Right. So, to me, the same cars that have been running well ran well. I yeah. thought there might be an advantage from the teams that have Xfinity teams and truck teams. But it really didn't. It really didn't pan out that way. It looked yeah. like to me that it was the same. The same car. Yeah, certainly some of those crew chiefs at least a little more familiar with that schedule. But you're right. It, the cream sort of rose to the top right. as it was anyway. Well, it was a huge win to end a 36 race winless streak for Kyle Busch. Let's take a listen to how it all played out at the end. The 18 of Kyle Busch staying out on the track. A lot of people wondering why would the 18 continue to stay out on the track. Let's listen into a little radio. We were too far back to jump up. So with 25 laps to go, Kyle Busch has decided that this is the time he will come to pit road and come to the attention of his crew. Kelly. And Kyle saying that he needs more long drive. He said in clean air, his car trends loose, but in dirty air, it, it trends tight. This is going to be a four-tire stop for Kyle Busch, likely his last, and we'll see where, how quickly it uh, is completed, where it puts him out. And if it was good enough to win him the race. You see at the top of the picture right there, the 18 car of Kyle Busch, as you mentioned, Rick, he has basically 11 lap fresher tires. And once again, he runs a lap almost a second faster than the leaders. He was six and a half seconds back when he came off pit road. He has run them down. I tell you what, you got to give a lot of credit to Adam Stevens on this call right here. I, I knew that it would make some difference. I had no idea it would be this big of a difference. But you you put Kyle Busch in that situation, you know what he can Full do? contact Kyle? there. The 18 gets into the back of the four, moves him out of the way. Here comes the 18. He'll take the lead away from Harvick. This team, it has been a team effort putting together a great car at the right time. They stayed out on the racetrack as long as they could with just 25 laps to go left in the race. They came to pit road to put on four fresh tires. It has paid off. Kyle Busch continues to be the fastest on the racetrack. And more importantly, Kyle Busch is going to win at Pocono. They're looking for momentum. Can they get on a roll? Kyle Busch, his first win this season. Finally, eh? Absolutely. Finally. Well, Kyle Busch has been strong time and again at Pocono, but this time he finished the job and took the win. Kevin Harvick wound up second in both Pocono races of this year. And playoff hopeful Clint Boyer got his first stage win of the year on his way to finishing sixth. Meanwhile, Casey Casey, Casey Casey, Casey Kane followed his Brickyard win by finishing 11th on Sunday, while playoff hopefuls Jamie McMurray and Joey Logano both suffered setbacks. Now, their playoff chances seem to be in doubt. Kyle Busch, good to go. He and wife Samantha spoke with Chris Devota in Victory Lane. I wrote one word down when you crossed the start-finish line. Finally. Would that be your word, too? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, for today, yeah, that, that's the word, you know, certainly it's um, been a frustrating year, but, um, you know, this, uh, this certainly relieves a little bit of that. I wouldn't say all of it, but um, Adam and these guys did an awesome job today. I'm going to let Samantha come in here, too. At one point, his wife, Samantha, tweeted she wasn't sure if she was going to throw up or cry. Did you do either in those closing laps? I cried. I cried a lot. I'm so proud of you and this team. You've had it coming for so long. Thank you. All right, so Kyle Busch is the 13th driver to virtually qualify for the playoffs with that win, but his victory puts a squeeze on those trying to make it in on points alone. Chase Elliott, Jamie McMurray, and Matt Kenseth hold the final three playoff spots, but their cushions continue to shrink. Now, you guys, I was actually there after the burnout in the bow by, by Kyle Busch, and I'm going to just throw out the question to you that I actually did to Kyle right there in that moment. Just how big is this for him? First well, win at Pocono, first of the season. Well, and, and I think the season has to be taken into account. This 18 of Kyle Busch, Adam Stevens, they have had speed really all year, put themselves in position to win so many races, yet have fallen short, whether it be a pit call, a restart, a pit stop. It seemed like they have found every way possible not to capitalize and win. Right. But yet to get through that valley of disappointment and persevere, which is really what this team has done, all the way back to victory lane, I think makes this win big, huge for the 18, take this momentum, because they already had speed. So now if you put momentum with a fast race car, Jeff, it can be a deadly combination for the rest of the field. Yeah, they had speed. They they weren't as good as the 78 for a while, and, and the 78 was their nemesis. You know, that yeah. was the team, and now they found a way to have that speed, and at Indy, they were a little bit quicker, I thought, and then this weekend, they were quicker as well. So I think that puts them in a really good spot heading into the playoffs. We're not that far away from the playoffs, and no. you need to they need to get that win. They needed those points. They needed that momentum. This could be a very dangerous team. I mean, they are. They they have been fast, as Steve said, but they haven't been executing. Right. And I don't care. You know, having a fast race car feels good, but it doesn't put numbers on the board. Yeah. And so when you keep having problem after problem after problem, there's a reason you're having problems. So eventually, you got to get that fixed. And 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 on this day, they got it fixed. And and they did it by answering the call of the 78 car. Right. You know, they, they countered what the 78 was doing as far as pitch strategy and found a way to get in front of them. Well, but, Kelly, you listen to the 18 all the time. Yeah. You, you heard him just Sunday, how he was animated on the radio. But then right there we heard very little animation, right? When Adam Stevens made that decision, hey, this is what I want to do, I was shocked at Kyle's reaction. Right. No, I mean, even there was a turning point even within the race. There was a moment we saw Kyle get loose almost sideways. He lost, went from second, I think he dropped to seventh. And his reaction to it, obviously, very heated over the radio. You'll see it right here. I mean, I yeah, think what you guys slide. thought he had a, yeah. a flat or something. We were almost unsure what was going on with the car. Well, he kind of came over the radio and asked the same thing. What the heck is going on here? A couple laps later, totally composed, said, hey, Adam, I don't know what happened back there, but the car's coming around. And, I, and he even said after the race, like he was thinking in the moment, oh, great, there goes another Pocono. But he right. stayed in it, kept his head in the game. Trusted the strategy, which played out. And trust and respect. You know, when people talk about the driver, crew chief, communication, friendship, relationship, it's, it's been defined by so many different words. But the simple fact is you have to respect one another mm -hmm. and you have to believe in one another. And I think that's what Kyle Busch and Adam Stevens have done. They have, they have fought together, lost together, won together. And, and Kyle... I think calm down because he feels for Adam. He knows he has to come back into the moment, into the composure to give Adam the information. I think Adam was very focused on his strategy because he had to give Kyle a way to win that race. It seems like they're working for one another. Yeah, and Kyle understood 
the, what they were doing. So obviously they right. had been talking about that, not just on Sunday morning, but throughout the year. Because Kyle, driving a race car, right, focusing on that, says, yes, we need to go one way or the other. Meaning we needed to pit way before the, they pitted to try to go faster than them, to get in front of them. And if we're not going to do that, let's mm -hmm. do the exact opposite. So as he's out there, everybody else is pitted, right? And right. he knows they're out there laying lap time down, and he's on old tires, but he trusts the process because they've, they've talked about it. And he understood it. So he's like, yeah, let's go longer. Let's go longer. Let's put ourselves in the best situation. So, And what, and what isn't being talked about enough or, or appreciated enough is the speed that they oh, had yeah. in order to stay. I mean, they came. We, we, we were just we were off air kind of talking about it. They were only six seconds back after those guys, after – them making a green flag pit stop and the other teams having fresh right. tires. Right. That's how fast that car was to be able to stay that close. They ran them down relatively quickly. I was shocked how quickly they ran them down. It was because of the speed they had on their car with old race And think about it, in the last 20 laps, he ran 12 seconds faster than right. the 78 car. Came out six seconds behind, finished six seconds and had 12 seconds in 20 laps. The best car without a doubt yeah. won the race. 78 wasn't helped by some of the lap traffic that they kept turning. But uh, this has got to be trouble, I think, for a lot of of the other teams. When I talked to Adam Stevens, I said, hey, do you feel like once you get that win, they'll just start falling into the place? And he goes, I don't even like that term, get the win, because we're not here to get a win. We're here to get several wins. We're more than capable of it. They never wavered on their confidence through their, their troubles. Well, and I think we're starting to see that with the playoff contenders. You talked to them all Sunday morning, and one team said we're going to point our way in. The other one said right. that we need to win. But it seems like all the teams that say we have to win, they run better. I think that mindset is better. The mindset of championship contenders is that we are here to win the race. And only late in the running, Jeff, do you ever change that. At some point, you have to be realistic and say, okay, not today. I'm going to try to go run fifth. Right, right. But when the green flag falls, if you're not thinking you're there to win, you're already beat by half the field. Yeah, and, but, but to get a series of win, you have to get the first win. You That's have right. to get right, the right, first right. one. And, and, and I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been doing it. I don't care how many championships you've won. When things aren't going well for a long period of time, you start expecting them not to go well. What's going to happen today? What right. what is going to shoot us in our foot? What are we going to do wrong? And and it tends to happen. You know, when you're looking for bad things to happen, they tend to be there. So that mental mindset of yes, we're fast. Yes, we can do it. And yes, we did do it. It's different saying we can do it versus saying we did do it. Now they can put that in their yes. column and they can move forward. They, They'll be hard to deal with. They did do it. They put all the pieces together on Sunday, and that made a big difference in the point standings. Well, we're just getting started. Still ahead, it wasn't just a big day for Kyle Busch and the 18 team. All four cars for Joe Gibbs Racing finished in the top 10. We'll hear from the drivers. And it was another discouraging day for the 22 team. The downward slide continues. Is Joey Logano now in a must-win situation to make the playoffs? And what a story in the Xfinity Series. Ryan Priest gambled on himself and came up big. We'll have his emotional story ahead on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. All rise. We're just 11 days from the start of the Premier League season. Chelsea's the defending champion. The new season begins August 11th on NBC and NBCSN. Well, after a week that was pretty tense between the 78 and 18 teams, a pretty cool side after Kyle Busch took the checkered flag on Sunday. The two cars came together 
for a nice moment after some hard racing. All right, so how did Joe Gibbs Racing and Furniture Row respond to a week of adversity? Well, in a word, incredibly. All six drivers finished in the top 10. First time this happened this year. Combined, they led 85% of the laps at Pocono. Now let's hear from the JGR drivers. I think everybody at the shop is, um, you know, pretty level-headed and pretty focused forward on what their job is and what their task is. And, you know, the guys and, and gals there just do a great job of being able to work on building fast race cars. And um, Danny and I have been able to capitalize on that, fortunately. And as Joe was mentioning before I got in here, Daniel's running up front and looking pretty good. And Matt, um, <clears throat> Matt's always been fast. And, um, you know, he's a sneaky one. So one of these days, I'm sure we're going to be fighting him for, for some race wins here uh, not too long. It's tough. I mean, you can't get off the bottom here. Uh, uh, you know, hopefully in the future we we uh, we experiment with some higher lane grip stuff. Uh, but this racetrack has put on some great races. Today was a great race. Uh, great uh, for our teammate Kyle and you know proud, proud of this whole FedEx uh, Camry team. You know, we definitely are better than what we were when we were here in June. It was a solid day for us um, overall. Feel very proud of you know to be part of this racing. Uh, in the beginning of the race, we were, we were having some issues with the front tires and, uh, you know, this, this group of guys, they never give up working on the car, um, trying to find the speed. And, and right there at the end of the race, I feel like we had a top seven, top, top 10 car for sure. And, and it's exactly where we ended up. So obviously a big day for Toyota all around with all six of those drives, drivers finishing so well. But I want to talk about that last one that we just heard from Daniel Suarez, a rookie driver, now three straight top tens at three very different and difficult racetracks. What do you guys make of the job that he's doing, you know, halfway through the season? I think he's doing a great job. I mean, I, and, and I'm not, not a good job, a great job. You have to go back and look at Daniel Suarez and think about how much lap time he really has. How many, right. how many, how many races has he really run? And it's pretty low. And then you take, he replaced Carl Edwards. Here's your crew chief. Oh, wait, never mind. Got, right. got a new crew chief for you, right? I mean, that's a lot for a young guy to take on, and he has done a really good job. And I, I like the way he does things. He, he just, all of a sudden, you turn around, and there he is. He's not trying to do more than he can do. He's not trying to be spectacular. He's trying to be solid. He understands this is the first year of a career, and that's how he's approached it. I, I, I like his mindset. I like what he's doing on the racetrack. Uh, he's fun to hang out with. This guy, he has got a great future. Well, I think all you look for out of a rookie driver is steady improvements and recovering from your mistakes. And luckily, we haven't seen a lot of mistakes out of Daniel Suarez. He's made very few on the racetrack, but it has been a steady improvement. Uh, he's back two tracks that he has seen once already in the cup car, which as much as we want to try to keep them alike, the Xfinity and the cup cars drive so much differently. I think that's going to help his performance. He's leaning on his teammates more and more. So I think he just needs to do what he's doing, which is settle in and not get in any highlight reels, because rarely does a rookie get into a highlight reel for any good reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had another rookie Toyota driver, Eric Jones. Same thing. They're coming back to tracks now for the second time. So we hope to, to see more improvement as we go. I want to talk about the 78, though. Performance on pit road with two new pit crew members, and it didn't seem to really hamper them at all. How impressive for these guys to step in and a new crew to, to form like that? Well, I think that's clear. That's why Joe Gibbs Racing has pit crews that every team wants, and that's why the 78 invests in leasing a Joe Gibbs Racing pit crew because they changed two members, yet from up in the booth, I, I could tell no difference. The right. 78 was on and off pit road efficiently. 
Um, you know, was there any more hiccups, perhaps maybe on the stopwatch, but nothing visual that we saw? And uh, the biggest thing I saw out of the 78 was a team that I think raced differently trying to beat the 18. I think they made some decisions to come to pit road at the end of that stage, which quite frankly shocked both of us. And I really think that they know the 18 is the car to beat. And maybe they're in each, in each other's heads in a good way. You know, they know that the battles between the 18 and the 78 are a lot of these tracks. Yeah, I was shocked that they, I, <laughs> I mean, they had a, they had a stage win. I mean, it was right there. All they had to do is finish, finish it. And, and they have more playoff points. I was right. shocked that they pitted right, right there. And, and But, you know, they did it because they thought they had to to beat the 18. I, I believe I believe you're 100% correct. And, I, listen, I was critical of, of the move by Joe Gibbs, Joe Gibbs Racing, and, and, and making that change on the 78. Mm -hmm. But you have to give it to those guys that stepped up. I mean, that's, that's a lot of pressure, right? You're walking into yeah. this deal. These guys, it's different, it's different pressure. When you have people that aren't doing a good job and you replace them, You've been brought in because you're supposed to be better. Well, in this case, they were brought in because those guys, you know, no, you got in trouble, you can't be here. Right. So that's a different situation, and that's a different kind of pressure. So kudos to those guys, man, stepping up like that. And as you said, that shows the strength of Joe Gibbs racing. And I wondered if it would test the relationship, and, and we not, we right. saw none of that. Adam Stevens and Cole Pern uh, seemed they, to work very well they together. They had dinner together yeah. Friday night, <laughs> yeah, they, they told they, me. So right, they so wanted to make sure, hey, we're still going to work together. Yeah. This isn't, th th there's no issue here. Well, yeah. they're smart enough to know that they're better working together. But at the same time, there's no issue as long as there's no issue. Right. Yeah, and the right. reason there's no issue is because 70 went fine. If, if the 78 comes down pit road and three of those stops, they have bad pit stops, it's an issue. Right, right. I, mean, I promise you it's an issue right. at that point. And if, and if it wasn't for Cole Pern, Cole Pern wouldn't be the kind of crew chief he is because right. he would be he would be up on the soapbox making something happen. Well, and going back to that strategy, I mean, Cole's told me, look, we're just here for the points now, more and more playoff points, more bonus points. Obviously, you get five of those for the win versus the one that they had in the hand. So it was kind of like... Bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. It surprised me. He did tell me. He told me all season, though, they're going for the race wins, right? Well, they, they, they've won the stages because they have fast race cars. Right. But winning the stages has clearly made this huge advantage that they had. And in retrospect, they didn't do the right thing. But, of course, that's easy for us to say. We get to yeah. look at it and rewind and say, well, they should have done this because exactly. they didn't win the race. But, but it, you know, it, it's easy, you know, playing armchair quarterback. It's another thing. I appreciate Cole Pern saying we need to do this if we want to win the race, mm -hmm. right? That was his objective was to win the race. It would have been, as it turned out, it would have been better for them to take those, that playoff win. But how do you know that until you play it out? Well, you don't. And I, I simply think that I'm thankful that both the 78 and the 18 are there because the two of them have a big speed advantage on the field at Pocono. They showed it in qualifying and it showed up in the race. And it would not have been as endearing of a race to watch right if one of them wasn't there because Kyle Busch could have been very conservative on the racetrack. The 78 could have been very conservative. So I love to see two competitors push one another. That's what sports yeah. is all about. In most sports, it's two, two teams. Well, in NASCAR, like golf, there are a lot of different competitors on the field. Well, you hope that if someone finds an advantage, the other one can match that advantage. That's what we've seen out of the 18 and the 78. And I think that's good for the rest of the field. We saw at Indy, they forced themselves into a mistake. Everyone was hoping that at Pocono, but no such luck. <laughs> no, and I think everyone in the garage knew that the 78 and 18 were sort of the, the class of the field uh, in Pocono. Well, in the spring, Joey Logano was a title contender. Now he's fighting for his playoff life. When NASCAR America returns, we'll discuss his bad day at Pocono and where the 22 team goes from here.
championship not to get in the playoffs so I always had to get back to um, you know the championship form that this team's been in at before. Yes we do need to win to go forward. I don't think you got to swing for the fences because I think you've got to put yourself in the right positions but you can't do stupid things and if we can get to the point that Joey can see it come the last restart I have all the confidence in the world that I wouldn't put anybody else in the seat uh, to close that one out and get it done. So unfortunately with the weekend we had yes it, it does put us further down in points and more in a position where we need to win but feel very strongly about the next five races having an opportunity to get that done. All right, guys, so I can tell you that talking to Todd Gordon before that race, they still felt like they had a chance to point their way in after we just heard him say, okay, now we do need to get a win over these next five races. So how do you guys like their chances of doing just that? I have concern for the 22, not because of the lack of execution of the, the last few races. I think they have made mistakes, and, and mistakes we don't normally see a championship contender make. Right. But just fact, I haven't seen the speed out of the 22. And, and not to make it that simple, but – we hear Todd Gordon, he can say they need to win, and Joey Logano can say they need to execute better, but at some point you have to go to the racetrack and do that. And we just haven't seen it consistently out of the 22. Really, the only consistent thing out of the 22 has been the demise since Richmond. It has been a slow grind of a road, but it has been with very little, if any, highlights. Yeah, and, and the speed of his teammate as well. I mean, that's the problem is that you have five races to turn it around. You, you're, you know, we talk about Gibbs, they weren't all that great at the beginning of the year. Well, they had... They had 26 races to try to find a way to turn it around. These guys have five. Yeah. And, and how do you find that much speed in five weeks? Now, you do have Watkins Glen. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a, that's a unique racetrack. You do have Bristol. That's a unique racetrack. So 
You do have Darlington. That's it. So I think when teams are struggling, actually unique racetracks can be an advantage. Because if you're struggling on mile and a half, you don't have a lot of mile and a half. Right. So you have an opportunity because of the uniqueness of the schedule. But but I agree with Steve. I, I They're going to have to be a different race team in those next five races. Now, the one thing they do have is they get on their own strategy. And they <laughs> find a way to make that work. So uh, they will gamble. We What we think is gambling, it seems like everyday life for them. Right. So they will, they will get themselves in a situation to win a race just solely because of their strategy. But Kelly, you talk to him. You talk yeah. to him in the garage every week. You know, what is your take? You you talk to Todd Gordon every single week. Do you feel that they have found something or consistent? I mean, what are the stories well, you're hearing out of the team? I mean, what Todd Gordon told me is that, you know, everyone points to Richmond, and it's like, oh, they had that race that doesn't qualify them for the playoffs. That was when the downwards – he says, no, go two weeks before that at Texas, and NASCAR actually – started implementing different templates on aero. And he said, this shift in aero, we have not found the balance in these race cars, which is why he's optimistic looking at the tracks ahead, as Jeff just pointed out. When you go to Watkins Glen, that's not going to be a factor. When you go to Bristol, mm -hmm. so where they're still struggling in their cars, there are tracks ahead where that shouldn't be an issue. And I think that's that and the fact that they've won at Michigan, Bristol night races, um, at Watkins Glen. So I think that that's where they get the confidence from. I mean, the concern for the 22 in my mind is first making the playoffs. But if they are fortunate enough to make the playoffs, which I think is an uphill battle, the, the emotional toll it takes to grind your way in is totally different than being right. locked in. I've tried. I've done it both ways. Dale Jr. and I won one year in Daytona, and we felt good going into the playoffs. We barely made it in at Richmond one year. And I can tell you that is exhausting because right. you leave Richmond exhausted where the 78, the 18, the 48, the four, these teams that have been in and been in for weeks, they're, they're, they're working for playoff points. They're looking at their equipment. They don't have to bring the best of the best for the next five races. They can start to plan for the playoffs with the 22 of Joey Logano. I think it's all hands on deck. You hear it. You heard Joe Logano say they have to do better. They have to start running for wins. Well, I think that grind is made worse by the fact that they had a win. I mean, right? Yeah. You got to win. You're in the you're in the deal. We're moving forward, and then three days later, oh, wait a minute, you don't have a win, and so now there's no way to get that out of the back of your head. I don't care what anybody says. Golfers say you go the next shot. Yeah. You forget about the last one, but that's a that's like hitting the winning putt, right? right? To win the, the to win a huge event and the thing popping out of the hole. I mean, that's what right. that is. So I just don't know. I just I just they don't have the speed. Um, and this has been a draw in them, without a doubt. I, now, they will get on. They will, at some point, have a, a chance to win the race in the next five weeks. I really believe that. But they're going to have to do everything perfectly to pull it off. Well, Kelly, with this playoff system and those playoff points, this summer is unlike anyone we've seen. Because those 14 teams, 13 teams that are qualified in summers past, they may not be coming to the racetrack trying to eliminate drivers. But now with those playoff points available, this Richmond race will be nothing like we have ever right. seen in race 26. And there said Richmond. That's where Joey Logano won <laughs> earlier this year. He'll have a chance to get himself back into the playoffs uh, back at Richmond this fall. All right. Well, coming up next, we'll recap Saturday's Xfinity Series race at Iowa, where Ryan Priest made good on the opportunity of his career and made the NASCAR world take notice. Next weekend, it's a NASCAR doubleheader on NBCSN from the road course in Watkins Glen, New York, Saturday at 2 Eastern, and the Xfinity Series. It's, excuse me, it's the Xfinity Series. Then on Sunday, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series as the race for the playoffs 
takes up that Sunday, 3 Eastern on NBCSN. All right, well, Toyota drivers swept the weekend in NASCAR's top three series. Kyle Busch and Truck Series star Christopher Bell went at Pocono, while Ryan Priest scored his first Xfinity Series win at Iowa. Speaking of which, let's see how Priest pulls it off, and we'll start late in the race. Seven laps to go. And it's Ryan Priest in the 20 car holding off Kyle Benjamin in the number 18 and Brian Scott in the three car on this restart. So he was able to maintain the lead. Then with four to go, Matt Tiff spins in turn two. That forces overtime. And in overtime, Priest once again continues to hold off Benjamin and Scott on the restart. And on the final lap, you see Priest and Benjamin battling to the very end, but Priest wins by 54 thousandths of a second. He's now the ninth Xfinity driver to capture his first pole and first victory in the same race. An emotional Priest spoke to Marty Snyder in victory lane. I don't even know what to say. I just, I gotta thank everybody. Uh, Albert and Kathy, um, Al Hankey, Betsy from Mohawk, Mizzy, just everybody involved. Uh, uh, man, Eddie and Connie Partridge, my modified owner, helping me. Tommy, Tommy, uh, man, I am I'm so lost of words right now. I don't even know what to say. This is this is what emotion is. I can tell you that, but it's just uh, thought this race would never end. That's for sure. But man, nothing's gonna beat today. All right, so we see a very emotional Ryan Priest there. Now, we know his story. Here's a guy who took all of his money, put it in two races to be a part of that Joe Gibbs uh, racing organization. Pays off. He had a runner-up finish to Kyle Busch and then wins here. How big of a deal is this? Who is he auditioning for? Well, I think the key is we all have to remember that Ryan Priest, is, this is not his first two races. He had run a full season before, has some Xfinity starts, and I think he made a good strategic decision, as you mentioned, to put those funds at Joe Gibbs Racing and to get those two starts, and he absolutely made the most of them. The now question is, as you say, who is he auditioning for? Because I think the world thinks it's for the NASCAR world and NASCAR owners. I disagree. I think that young man is purely auditioning for you know, corporate America, Fortune 500 companies, someone to back him because I think it's an unfortunate topic, but it is the real world of NASCAR today that at his age, with his resume, even with that win, I think he needs financial backing and a sponsor, Jeff, to move into any sort of full-time commitment from any of these NASCAR owners. Well, that, that is the way of the world right now today. It's a different universe than it was when I came in. When I came in, you know, a car owner took a chance on me. A car owner said, hey, I think that guy can do it, and he went and failed the sponsor. Well, today, a lot of these Xfinity rides and truck rides are the drivers bringing the sponsor. And right. so it's a, it is a different universe. And, uh, you know, will this propel him to be able to get that sponsor? Will this propel him for Joe Gibbs maybe to go to, to some of his sponsors and say, hey, look, I think this guy can get it done. We just don't know. I mean, uh, but, but he's done the right thing. I mean, he drove a car last year that didn't have the funding that, that Joe Gibbs Racing has. And when he, he showed when he got in the equipment, he can get it done. Will that be enough? I don't know. He's 26 years old. It's, uh, you know, it is a tough sport. I like, I like Ryan Priest a lot. I spent some time with him this, this February in, in uh, New Smyrna. We were pitted next to each other at the World Series of Asphalt events. And, and he is a really cool guy. Like, he works on his race cars. He understands race cars. He is, he, is, he is a racer. He is a racer. There's no question. I'd like to see it work out for him. Well, there's been such a response from people in the NASCAR world and even beyond on social media. We even see this tweet here from Steve O'Donnell. 
needs a full-time ride in the National Series. Ryan Priest, great win. Why do you think people have had such a, a big response to this? Well, because it, it's kind of the, the story of the small kid getting a chance, the small team winning. And I think that's what we all started racing for. You know, I race with my son. He races with his son. It started with I going, I used to go to Saturday night short tracks with my father and you know, cheer on my favorite driver who who was like Ryan Priest in the modified series. So it's great when someone whom we don't know proves that he has the talent to keep up at one of the premier levels. And I really think I, I don't want to take anything away from him by saying he's not auditioning for the NASCAR world. That's just the the fact of the matter. But this win right here has definitely made his PowerPoint much more impressive when he gets into those boardrooms. And that's really, I think, the goal. The goal, the reason why you see those people tweet is because they know that's the fact. Right. And they want to show support from an entire sport because he's earned it. You earn it by winning races. He won the race. He deserves the support. And he told me in February, before, before I don't know if he knew this was going on or not, but he didn't tell me it was going on, that he was going to drive this car. He told me, he said, look, I'd rather stay here and run these modifieds. I'd rather go run these modifieds on, you know, on, on small racetracks and winning races rather than doing a deal where I can't be competitive. Mm -hmm. and, and he put his money where his mouth is. His sponsors supported him, and he went and did it. And I have a lot of respect for that. The Think about the pressure. Two races is all he had. Two races, but he got the job done. He's the youngest modified champion in tour history. Now, a reminder that Ryan Priest, who lives in Connecticut, will stop by our Stanford studios for NASCAR America this Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern. Coming up, there's just five regular season races to go, and the last push for those valuable playoff points is about to begin. Where do Kyle Busch and other title contenders stand? We'll discuss on NASCAR America. Since 1954, STP has been on the leading edge of performance, helping engines run better longer. For the latest info on NASCAR, visit NBCSports.com slash Inside the Garage. For the first time in more than a year, the 18 crew got to celebrate in Victory Lane. And as we do every Monday, let's honor them in our pit crew review. CJ Ford, I'm the Jackman on the 18, Joe Gibbs, Toyota. Just uh, what a day. Uh, it's been a heck of a year, a lot of adversity, and uh, just really proud of this group. Everybody puts their heads down and, and digs and, uh, and gets better each week, uh, no matter what it is. So big shout out to uh, Coach Gibbs for keeping us all motivated, and um, great day today to end it with a win. Pit strategy is big at Pocono, and Sunday was no different. After Kyle Busch had inherited the lead during green flag stops, crew chief Adam Stevens kept him out until lap 135. That gave Busch fresher tires versus the other leaders. He made them count as he charged to the front and ultimately got the win. And now that win effectively puts Kyle Busch in the playoffs, where he'll go for a second Monster Energy Series title. Martin Truex Jr. leads the series with 29 playoff points. Jimmy Johnson has 16. And then three drivers, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, and Brad Keselowski, have 13 apiece. All right, guys, so as you look at these drivers there in yellow, those are the ones we know are in the playoffs. 
How big a difference and how much difference does it make to be Martin Truex Jr., where you see the 29 playoff points next to your name, to be Austin Dillon, Kurt Busch, among others, with just five? Well, if you think about we just mentioned Joey Logano, he's averaging 18 points an event. So Martin Truex Jr. has a bigger lead on those other cars <laughs> than what Joey Logano was earning in points. And that is easy to talk about now, and it's a lot of hypotheticals, but I can assure you when the haulers unload in Chicago, and Martin Truex Jr. has a 24-point lead on Austin Dillon. 24 positions in a 40-car field. That's basically like a free race in round one. Well, and it's going to be more than that. Right. Because this doesn't have the points that they're going to get for, for where they finish in the right. regular season points. So it's going to be a bigger lead than that. So what I immediately start looking at is the battle of who will miss the next round. Because, you know, you're going to eliminate some people based on we immediately – you know, as soon as the playoffs start, there's going to be the battle. Who can make the, the next 12, right? Four are going to be eliminated. So the three-race schedule, all those guys are going to be pretty much equaled out on points. Right. So they're going to be starting zeroed out, but they're going to have a huge disadvantage to Martin Trex Jr., Jimmy Johnson, Kyle Larson. They're going to be battling just to move ahead, not to try to jump those guys. They're just going to be trying to move ahead. So it shows you how important these, the success within a race and success in the regular season means. Because to your point, the regular season points champion gets 15 bonus points, playoff points. So if that is Truex, imagine that gap at that point. Well, and that goes back to what we were talking about. So now going to Richmond, we have a group of drivers that are trying to make sure their championship hopes are even still alive. They want to somehow guarantee a spot in the playoffs. But those front runners have so much to race for. That has changed the dynamic of this series. It has changed the summer. It has changed who's going to run well at Watkins Glen, who you have to outrun, who you're going to have to beat when you go to Bristol. These fields stay tough because it's important for everyone to continue to run well. We haven't seen that in years past. Think about Kyle Busch. He has five points. Okay, he won the Daytona 500. In last year's deal, he, in last year's points, he goes through the first you know, the first four or three races with, with an advantage because he has points. Then it all got wiped clean. Right. Yep. Well, this year, he won the Daytona 500, hasn't done enough to get more points. When he goes into the next round, if he advances to the next round, that deficit that he built, that's going to still be there. Right. So you better perform in the regular season if you're going to try to get yourself to Homestead. Every point counts more this year than ever before. Well, coming up, we'll talk about a driver that has quietly had a very solid month. That's next on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. There's one other driver we want to take a look at from Pocono. It was another solid finish for Danica Patrick. She was 15th, and it's been a good stretch for the driver of the number 10 car. She's now finished in the top 15 in four straight races, becoming the first woman in Premier Series history to do so. Best stretch of her career uh, to, to say and to put together those, as we keep talking about these different racetracks, she's not fluking into anything at this point. Well, and, and I think, listen, let's just be clear. Danica Patrick, you know, we just want to see improvement. Much like we measured Daniel Suarez, every driver expects to get better over the thing. So we don't want to ring the bell, give her a trophy for top 15s right. because she is not competing for the race wins, which is every driver's goal. But at the same time, the field is deep. I, I would love to be a race car driver. I can't keep up on Sunday. That's why I was a crew chief. 
She's going out and proving to herself and to her sponsors that she can keep up. She can outrun. To run in the top 15, that means she beat 20 to 25 other drivers consistently three weeks in a row at three very different racetracks. So I think that we've seen that resurgence of SHR, and it's nice to see it's really top to bottom. The four has improved. The 14 has improved. Well, Danica, she's improving as well. Yeah, there's no question. I, I think that, that Stuart Haas Racing was more than, than Kyle Busch went in the race, Kurt Busch went in the race. I think the way that Kevin Harvick and the way Clint Boyer ran, I think that was a huge story also because that means that they are getting better when they need to be getting better. And Clint Boyer better be because he's right. That's you know, right. He, he needs, he's got to find a way. But yeah. Kevin Harvick, we consider him a championship contender. Well, you can't contend for a championship if your cars won't keep up. So the fact that he ran as well as he ran, and it took it took he was going to win that race without without the Kyle Busch effort. I, right, I mean, my right. opinion, the four car was going to win that race. So, but as far as Danica. Listen, you're right. You need to see improvement, and we're starting to see that improvement, and that's good. I mean, she's not contending for wins. That's really – I don't think that's this team's goal at the moment. This team's goal is to get her where she can start getting 10th to 14th place finishes on a consistent basis. And if she does that, well, then maybe take the next step. But for right now, get to that place first. Well, and the simple fact is she wants to be more than just a sponsor for value for her race team. And you can't use notes from a car that runs outside the top 15. But when you start running inside the top 15, then her feedback would then have some value to her teammates. Well, and when you look at what the transitions that she's been through, she's been through a number of different crew chiefs. Then they make the switch from Chevy to Ford last season, which I think is part of the reason that we're, we're not seeing Kevin Harvick run up front race in race out. They're still still get coming to terms with these new Ford bodies. Yeah, and it's the work that went into it. I mean, that's right. what people don't realize. They, you know, they were getting chassis from Hendrick. They were getting engineering support from Hendrick. They were using all, just think about that. All that had to be replaced. And you don't flip the switch. I was shocked. They came out of the gate this year running as well as they did. I was shocked about that. So that has been an impact. But, you know, I'm starting to see them get to where we really expect them to be. And just listen. Look at our teammate, Clint Boyer. This playoff picture is squeezing three spots left on points, going to a road course. <laughs> I'm kind of glad I'm on this side of the garage now, just covering it. Oh, man, I can hardly wait to get to Watkins Glen. All right, that's all for NASCAR America. For all your NASCAR news, log on to NBSports.com slash NASCAR. And join us tomorrow from the NASCAR Hall of Fame as we welcome Ryan Blaney for the entire hour. Thanks for watching. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.